We all need a shot of encouragement to keep us going. A new beginning with Greg Laurie is sure to help in your journey of faith. Hear it twice daily. Details at vision.org.au. Coming up today on The Story. So I've been involved in platform worship in church life since I was 11 or 12 years old. And uh, I stuck right through that season around the time my parents divorced. I ended up being given leadership of a worship team around 16 years of age. So I was leading people that were generations older than me. Yeah. They obviously trusted you. Well, sure. Mm. <laughs> it was mm. also mildly terrifying at the time. <laughs> I bet it was. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, what do you do when the life you have envisaged for yourself doesn't line up with God's calling? James Kazina faced this struggle as a university student. Should he continue down the path he was on toward a medical career? Or should he use his artistic talents for the Lord? Today, James will share his journey to becoming involved in worship music. He's having a chat with Karen Hunt. Can you tell us about your early days, your family life as a young'un, and what did life look like for you back then? Well, uh, I was born in Brisbane and uh, grew up with a bit of an interesting family life, as many of us do in my generation. My parents were incredible parents, loved Jesus, um, went through some difficult times, but uh, I guess through all of those seasons, they kept a roof over my head kept us fed every day as children, and also um, put the investment into my life to get us through Christian education, which I'm so eternally grateful for. Uh, across that time, I remember we grew up on Maclay Island. We had a house right on the beach on Maclay Island. Nice. Uh, white sandy beach right off our lawn, and I've got incredible memories of us fishing and catching whiting right off the beach every day. Was that for like all of your childhood years? Uh, a, lo- a lot of my childhood. We actually owned that house until I was about 14 years old. Mm-hmm. But through that time, we had to move around a little bit. My parents ended up divorcing when I was 15 years old in grade 10 at school. But like I say, that whole time they had me in Christian education at Mm -hmm. COC in Brisbane. And I remember the probably about two hour commute both ways on the ferry and the big long bus ride. But all in all, a great childhood. Maclay Island is a unique place to live. It's got its its pluses and its negative Mm -hmm. sides as well. Mm -hmm. But great childhood. I've got a lot of fond memories. Uh, Through that time, actually, I I remember uh, I started at COC in Brisbane in grade two, and I actually was in the same grade as my wife since grade two at school. No (laughs) way. Childhood sweethearts. That's right. That's beautiful. I was very grateful for that Christian education I mentioned earlier. (laughs) So I remember Steph and I grew up and we went through that whole season of hating the person that you love in about grade five, I think is pretty normal, and grade six and seven, and we had our little arguments across the way, and... I was such a small, insecure child. That's probably a big hallmark of my uh, memories as a child. The verse that always comes back to me for my life is that God uses the weak things of this earth to shame that which is strong. And I never would have known uh, what that meant back then, those fragile, insecure days of my childhood. Anyway, we grew up together, obviously, then right through high school. I remember knowing, I even knew back then that Steph would be the one that I would end up marrying. It seems crazy in hindsight, but we both, I'm sure we both knew it then. I was going to say, did she know that as oh, well? you know, there was a few distractions mm-hmm. here and there. But mm-hmm. Other <laughs> boys, perhaps, no, no, no. <laughs> other girls. Uh, so, uh, no, Steph was, Steph was my first girlfriend. It took me a good four or 
five years until I finally asked Steph out at the beginning of grade 12. Then uh, a very long period of time again before I was ready to propose to Steph. I actually uh, was uh, a musician my, my whole life as well. From about the time of seven years of age, my parents had me in classical piano lessons. Piano, and, that's your yeah, that was Yeah, that's okay. my primary background. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was I was going quite good at school music, grade 10. Around that period of time, I mentioned when my parents divorced, I went through a little bit of a, of a crisis in my life. I dropped all of my art subjects, the, the beginning of grade 11 at school, and just felt the pressure that if I wasn't a doctor or a lawyer, mm. that I wasn't valuable to society. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents never pressured me to be anyone that I wasn't, but just, I guess, the, the prevailing pressure there just just really got to me. I dropped all of my arts. I finished my classical music training. I, I had done my grade eight piano. And wow, uh, congrats. Thank you. Amidst all of that. In the middle of all that in grade 10 at school. So heading into senior school, uh, I uh, did a straight math science load and ended up graduating with an OP1 as ducks of the college. And I got straight into a scholarship in medical engineering because I thought I was going to be a doctor. No way. I'd taken a whole lot of words that people had given me across the time that people would, would experience healing by my hands. And at the time, I guess I probably knew that was to do with my music, but I kind of jammed it into the whole of what I thought mm. that would be and mm-hmm. probably liked the idea of a doctor's income as well, I suppose. <laughs> but, sure. <laughs> yeah, I went barreling headlong into a full scholarship in medical engineering. You're a smarty one, obviously. <laughs> well done. I try and fly under the dumb well, user radar. <laughs> well done. My goodness me. But was that a distraction in itself to uh, to really focus your mind and hone in as uh, an outlet for what was going on in your heart, in your world at that time with your family happenings? Yeah, absolutely. Um, both of my parents uh, didn't complete high school education. Mm. So as I said, there was never any pressure from them to be anyone else than who I was. But I think I always had that internal turmoil, I guess, of of being the one that would, I don't know, bring our family into a different season. Sure. So, yeah, I still clung to my worship the whole time through that. I remember there's a few people in my life that I look back on, as we all have those people who really kept pointing me in the right direction. And uh, at the time, the worship leader for our local church um, encouraged me to join the worship team, I think from the age of 12 years of age, which was at the time really controversial. I remember hearing stories of her going in to bat for me that that was an okay thing to do. And mm-hmm. so I've been involved in platform worship in church life since I was 11 or 12 years old. And uh, I stuck right through that season around the time my parents divorced. I ended up being given leadership of a worship team around 16 years of age. So I was leading people that were generations what older than me. Yeah. They obviously trusted you. Well, sure. Mm. <laughs> it was mm. also mildly terrifying at the time. <laughs> I bet it was. So yeah, um, at the time I, I dropped all of my professional music studies, I still maintained um, my heart for worship and that's never stopped since that age. I've always been involved in uh, congregational worship ministry. So I guess here I am barreling down this journey entirely in a direction that I knew was far from where I was supposed to be heading in my life. And I'm not sure if anyone understands how difficult that is when you know you're called to do something else, but you're sitting in the middle of a, of a situation. I remember I would be sitting in these, oh, you would not believe the engineering lectures. <laughs> and I'd be weeping. I remember I'd just be sitting there thinking, why am I crying? What's going on here? I was just so far from what I was supposed to be doing. That all came to a head when a close friend of mine, his father committed suicide. That really was probably the end of one of the most difficult seasons in my life. You mentioned just before the word worship. There are probably 
some people listening right now who have no concept of what that word even means. You're talking about weeping in a lecture hall at university with other smarty ones <laughs> like yourself. What was the course you were studying again? Uh, Bachelor of Medical Engineering, full scholarship, quite a strenuous degree. And what a diverse focus when you have so much creative blood and creative juice within you. So again, this concept of worship, what is it to you? What did you understand it was at that time in your life? And has that changed now today? I think worship is one of those things that in Christian circles, we, we bandy the word around and possibly have never taken the time to discover what it actually means, probably especially to the person who it relates to most being our God. I guess I had great people mentoring me across that season in church life. I, I think I always understood Obviously, worship is more about a lifestyle that is sacrificed to the Lord. I think of Romans 12 that talks about presenting our life as a living and a holy sacrifice. I still often wonder where the overlap with the creative gifts comes in because we often can't separate worship as a lifestyle and music as an art form. Those things are intrinsically linked. I guess that's what I now know is what my life's devoted to is discovering why those things are interconnected. Why is music so important to the Lord? Why will we be singing it for the rest of time? We definitely know that the angels around the throne aren't just speaking to the Lord, they're singing songs. There's certainly something in our intrinsic makeup as humans that music is, is so powerful and so important. For me, it's, it's really discovering that journey. You mentioned the creative types. I just know that we're obviously wired in a slightly different way to everyone else. Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> I can concur. <laughs> and so figuring out um, what, what we contribute to the greater body with the way we think and feel and, and hear things is something that I'm really interested in. And whether it's uh, creative juices in music, dance, drama, all of those creative expressions are art forms, but I think more than that, they are to be a universal tool for communication, mm. creative Christian communications. Obviously, with what you're doing now, that's a big part of your life and your world Today, how did you get out of those academic studies there at, uh, <laughs> at university? What happened? Well, uh, we reached a, a pivotal point. I mentioned earlier that, that one of my closest friends, uh, his father committed suicide. It was a very dark time in my life. It really culminated to a point. I remember I was, uh, for anyone who's attending university, you know you get these deadlines come by your email. It was the last day to quit with that academic penalty. Through some of the, the more fragile years of my childhood, I... Um, I guess I developed a bit of a performance addiction there and uh, alongside with the OP1, I was sitting on a, a straight GPA 7, straight high distinctions Ooh. in engineering and the idea of me um, failing any subjects or even getting lower than a high distinction just really messed with my mind and I could sense that some of that was coming with, with the burden that I was carrying. Mm -hmm. So I remember I resigned um, on the last day to resign without losing academic penalty. So somewhere in my past, I still have got a straight GPA 7 in medical engineering. Well done, <laughs> Which I'm praying I will never have to pick up again. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember it was my, my pastor at the time. I sat down with him, completely broken. I remember, in hindsight, I'm almost wondering if that was a nervous breakdown. For a young person of my age, I'm not sure if that's heard of, but... Mm. That's certainly uh, the degree of pain in my life is representative uh, of something to that degree. Mm -hmm. And it was my pastor who said to me, why don't you consider going back to university and studying music um, in a professional context? I remember I laughed at him because if you remember, I had no senior music qualifications. Yeah. I'd left all of that a long time ago. Somehow, 
by the grace of God, I ended up accepted into uh, the conservatorium degree on the Gold Coast. And that started really the next chapter of my life. Well, you did have your, your grade eight theory. Sure. I think that was a big part of getting that in. That was helpful. <laughs> and I almost wonder if sometimes I don't know if those creative types we mentioned earlier uh, are particularly good at passing degrees. So I'm thinking they're probably looking Whoa. at the OP1 thinking that guy's going to pass. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, all things for a reason. Sure. Regardless. Hey. So you're there. Suddenly you're studying music. Yeah. Back in my first love. I was going to say, were you a free man inside? Was your heart Completely. just jumping? Yeah, absolutely. By then, uh, you know, once I'd cleaned up some of those sort of murky aspects of my, my life that didn't quite add up, I was ready to propose to my wife and uh, we ended up getting married. So it was around the same time um, my life really shifted to a, a very healthy, a very different focus. Stephanie, my wife, has just been there beside me the whole time. Her parents also divorced around the same time as, really? as me. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, we've just sort of always stuck together. I just, I just think she's totally a gift to God for my life. You're listening to the story. Well, as we just heard, James Kazina is at a crossroads. He's just realised that his vision for his life has changed. He's no longer able to commit himself to becoming a doctor, but he wants now to pursue a life of full-time ministry. We'll find out how music became a major part of his life when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with James Kazina chatting with Karen Hunt about his life journey. As we heard before the break, James has just made the life-altering decision to leave medical school. Now we'll find out what happens next in his life as he turns his focus to music. We moved down uh, from Brisbane to the Gold Coast after I began studying um, at the Conservatorium and we really knew profoundly the Lord led us to King's Church, both of us. In fact, Steph was offered her first teaching job at King's College. All in one moment, our life was tipped upside down. We parted ways with our church in a really healthy way and ended up moving into a, a little apartment on the Gold Coast. Next thing, here we are sitting Two full-time jobs after both being full-time students on the same campus on the, on the nice. sunny Gold Coast. Together. Really nice. Yeah, lovely. A mm-hmm. um, couple of years down the track, you know, we've, we've had our children now and, you know, we were just probably doing the, the Christian karaoke thing yeah. in worship and, and doing a great <laughs> like job covering concept. everyone else's. <laughs> Ooh, karaoke. That's, that's how, how it used to roll. On the platform in church. That's it. Yeah. And look, and, you know, look, that, that really met a need for a long time. And uh-huh. we were probably still learning a lot about ourselves across that season. My whole time I was studying record production. I was always the producer, never the songwriter. So the idea of, of even us writing content just, just terrified me. So that me. was totally a whole new idea for you? Yeah, very much so. Okay. Yeah. There were some team members across the time that had dabbled in writing, but mm-hmm. nothing had ever really, really fired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably something we'd, we'd almost tried to force uh, that didn't really yield any fruit of Yeah, merit. and when it's forced, it just doesn't quite cut no, the mustard, does it? No, no. So uh, that started a journey. Little did we know, soon after we'd be establishing um, a worship festival on the Gold Coast, which would really be about you know bringing local churches together and worship teams, as well as us really scouring the world for people who are innovating in worship and finding an opportunity to bring them 
to the Gold Coast. Okay, hold on a minute. You're saying festival, a worship festival. Now, most people would think, oh, another worship conference. How is this different? Conference actually is a bit of a dirty word in our planning. <laughs> so I'm glad you mentioned okay. that. We just really, it, the uh, the revelation kind of came quite gradually for us. It actually was originally called Kingdom Conference, funnily enough, but it just never sat with any of us. Somewhere in the planning, someone pointed out that our events always just happened to fall on top of the Feast of Tabernacles, which is uh-huh. uh, quite an important Jewish feast yeah. in the year. Yeah, mm-hmm. For anyone that studies that sort of thing, they'll know straight away how important that feast is. And it really represents the coming together of the nations. It's Doesn't the one ever. feast that will go on for yes. all eternity. Yes. And so we realized that's that's what Kingdom Festival is all about. Okay, James. So in reading some of the blurb you've given me here, it states that Kingdom is about recalibration. Do you want to explain and expand that one? Absolutely. Uh, we find even in Christian and church circles, it's entirely possible to go through the motions to make the Sunday services happen, to roster the people, to build the church and entirely lose focus of the fact that the one we're worshipping is entirely distant from us in relationship. We've always said that everything we do has to be honouring to Jesus, and I think so many songs that we sing in Christian life are are about Jesus. And I got to a point for our team, we don't want to sing songs about Jesus anymore. I want to sing songs to him Mm. and worship him. There was one particular moment where Pastor Greg pulled out the book of Revelations, and he said, now you see, any time there's an indented passage, this is what we're going to be singing for the rest of eternity. So I suggest we get good at that. And from that, we begin to see these songs, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, blessing and honor and glory and power. You see these images of what we're all going to be doing for the rest of eternity. And that might sound a little bit christian easy, but the essence yeah. of what you just said is so real. Yeah. So real. I mean, so often we spend our time focused on how to make the most of what, 70, 80 years on yeah. earth. What we sometimes forget, though, is that our time here is simply a preparation, hey, for the time that will follow. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, from there, a new journey began for us. Really, the hallmark of what I've seen in our ministry so far is that none of us actually really know what's going to happen. I know that there's, you know, it's great to make plans, but it's really incredible when you just begin to partner with God and see what crazy things He's going to open Let up. Let it unfold. Yeah. So across that time, we had a couple of new team members join our team, and, and one of them just happened to be a record producer from Sydney and uh, he ended up offering to us that we move all of his recording gear up from Sydney and raise some finances together with our team to build a recording studio uh, in in our church. Yeah, absolutely. a gift. Amazing. I'm still pinching myself that it's real life. James, there's something that stirs in my heart when I hear you speaking about this. I know The whole concept of worship and uh, glorifying God and our focus changing from the temporal to the eternal and shifting our energy from all those worldly things to actually pursuing the things of God. Just last night, I opened up my journal. Something fell out. It was just this little square yellow piece of paper. And I brought it in today knowing that you were coming because it just so relates, I think, in my mind. There was a time in my life where I'm a bit of a dreamer, just dreaming, just thinking about the future, hopes and dreams, sounds all airy-fairy. But I wanted to just nut out, Karen, what do you really believe? What do you really hope for? And this is what I wrote. Can I share it with you? Absolutely. Don't want to steal your thunder. Is that okay? Can't wait to hear it. It says this, there's a new era dawning 
I've got to say this without lumping up. There's a new era dawning on the earth. We're entering into the days of great harvest. I believe God is going to sweep his arm across the nations and take his people into the kingdom of heaven. I believe it's the music, the arts, the media that will be a vehicle, a tool to draw them in first. I believe it will be a passion for souls in the hearts of his people that will help accomplish this. I believe that we need to use our gifts, use our talents to call in his kingdom. We are called to arise, to stir the passions within and arise. And I was writing that to myself for my own um, confirmation within my heart and soul to move forward. All these years later, as a creative person, I'm in media. I'm still connected with so many musicians and artists, even more so, far and wide. And I think, Lord, those three C's, creative Christian communication, what are you doing on this earth? What are you doing? Sweep your arm across the globe and draw all these people together for your return. Absolutely. For the Lord's return. And I think of um, the Lord's Prayer, in essence, where it says, Our Father, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then later on it says towards the end, for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever and ever. Amen. I think I like you, James. (laughs) I think so. I think we're on the same wavelength. (laughs) You reckon? I think so too. Absolutely. How about uh, we go out with the song? Sounds great. He Lives in Me is the title. Tell us about it. This song has quite a funny story. I was down in Sydney for a worship festival. It was the first weekend that we had all of the infrastructure I mentioned fitted and ready to go live, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't there. So Mm -hmm. it was just meant to be a test. And I came back and the team so excitedly sat me down in the studio. You need to listen to this. You need to listen to this. We just had an incredible weekend and it was ready to go. And um, I'm not even there. So I'm completely secure about that Uh fact that our team, I want to celebrate the win with them. You'll hear here, this isn't me leading worship. This is one of our team members, Kyle, actually, and his wife, Tash, leading worship on an original song that came out spontaneously in one of our services four weeks earlier. James, thanks for coming in this morning. Thank you, Karen. Thanks so much for having me this morning. I've been crucified. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This life I live, this life I live, I live by faith. The Son of God, who loves and gave His life, who sing Jesus, Jesus. Oh, You're the name, the name above all names, Jesus. Oh, You're greatly to, greatly to be praised. He lives in me. He lives in me. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in He lives in me. He lives in me. That was the song He Lives in Me by the worship team that James Kazina was part of at that time. Ironically, as we heard, he just happened to not be there on the weekend it was recorded. But nonetheless, it was great hearing how he embraced his love of music 
and was using his gifts for the Lord. And we have an update for you. Since the interview was recorded a few years ago, James has now gone on to serve the Lord in another way. He's now serving persecuted Christians worldwide through the ministry of Open Doors Australia. And we wish him well in his new ministry role. Well, thanks for joining us for James' Story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. Yeah, he brought out a little glass pipe with some crystals in there and um, he said, do you want to try some of this? And it didn't look like, it's not like a needle going into your arm or a pill that you can't control. I thought, you know, it's just a little bit of a smoke and I'll have a puff and see what it feels like, you know? And that's how it happens. You know, people don't realise, you know, what an entrapment and a lie, this little glass pipe with crystals in there, where it's going to take you, it's going to take you to hell. Andrea Simmons was a successful businesswoman and devoted mother when she almost lost everything after she became addicted to ice. How did it all go wrong? And how did her life finally turn around? We'll find out her story next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.